Performance Measurement, Yes, No Charts. Although most companies don't recognize the importance of job performance measurement and make some attempt, few get it. Some companies measure too many parameters, making it all irrelevant. Others make the wrong measurements and thereby misdirecting employees. And still others just don't measure the performance of the individual employee. At issue here is that to have a successful tribal knowledge paradigm, everyone needs a scorecard that relates to a common goal defined by the mission. Yes-no charts are the simplest metric and are a very powerful tool that can be used to modify employee behavior in a positive and practical way. Here's how it works. Very simply, it is a chart that is set up to measure a result. It answers a simple question, a question whose answer is yes or no. In this measurement, maybe is not an acceptable answer. In fact, the chart has only two allowable marks, either yes or no. There is no third category, perhaps, maybe, sometime, etc. The answer is given on a no-blame basis because we want to know what is truly happening. The way that this idea developed is a funny history. At a particular company, we had talked about no blame, and somebody in the class raised the issue of the truck leaving late every day. The minute that was mentioned, a hush went over the room. It was obvious something was going on, so the obvious question was asked, why it is a problem when the truck leaves late? No one responded. So in order to get to the end of this story, the first yes-no chart was placed in the shipping area. It had the days of the week, Monday through Friday, in little boxes, and below them there were blanks in which to put a zero, a green zero, for yes, and a red X for no. And the question above it, a yes-no question, did the truck leave on time? It was done on a sheet of flip chart paper and was done so that anyone passing by the area could see it. As we walked by the area with the CEO, he noticed it. He asked what that was about. He was told that the employees had identified the importance of the truck leaving on time. If it left after 9 a.m., it couldn't complete its round to the San Jose area from the North Bay and get back before the heavy commute. As we looked at the chart, there were three big red X's on the chart. The red indicates no in response to the posted question, did the truck leave by 9 a.m.? In the yes-no chart, you get a red X when the truck is late by only 30 seconds or a minute. Anything after 9 o'clock a.m. makes the truck late. So when we investigated the why of the question, why is it late, it turned out that the CEO's son was not getting in when he should be around 6.30 a.m. 
He had to be in at that time to do the inspections necessary to get the parts loaded on the truck and get it out before 9 a.m. Once the explanation was on the table, the son got in on time. The parts were inspected, and the truck left before 9 a.m. From that moment forward, the yes-no chart had earned its merits as a valuable measuring technique. The point about behavior modification was that no one could get the sun in the shop by 6.30 a.m. By measuring the results of his late behavior, X is on the chart, his father was able to give him a directive to correct his behavior or find some other place to work. In most such situations, such drastic threats are not necessary. But when you use the yes-no chart, you find that there is a behavior modification somehow involved. We have used the yes-no chart in a number of companies to manage the truck schedule. In all of those situations, the truck rarely leaves on time for any number of reasons. They're usually very good reasons. Again, before the yes-no chart goes up, it must be determined that it is important that the truck leaves by a particular time. Why measure something that if there is no consequences from not leaving on time? That is, if the consequences for leaving on time are no different than those leaving late, this is not the right issue to measure. The individuals or departments affected by the truck schedule must agree that a measure is important. However, once the yes-no chart goes up, no excuses are accepted and no blame is the rule. When the annoyance gets large enough, things begin to change. Often, we have no idea what the causes are or what the solutions will be. It really doesn't matter because the yes-no charts get things moving. We should point out here that we have not found that it is particularly effective to focus on individuals or attempt to modify behavior directly. Rather than focus on an individual, it is important to focus on what work is done. Additionally, it is often more useful to focus on the output of an individual's work group than on the work of that individual. The following example is another application of the yes-no chart in a more complex issue. A company can't ship orders on time. A company that was a subsidiary of a large corporation had a long-standing and costly problem. It couldn't manage to ship orders on time. The cause of the problem boiled down to a major disagreement between individuals and different departments about what constituted an order and who could make a commitment to ship by a particular date. The problem behavior revolved around the issue of who could make a commitment to a customer. That was about 15 years ago, and you might argue that today's computer systems make all this discussion moot. Bottom line here is that the problem arose because they couldn't effectively manage their inventory with their ERP computer system. In our experience, computers have been around for a long time, and in spite of their use in managing inventory, 
variations of this problem still exist. The reason that this particular story is funny is about halfway through the discussion, the maintenance employee responsible for keeping the facility clean made an observation that it was a wonder that they had any customers with their late shipment record. He couldn't believe it. Now, this was funny because this observation was coming from an individual with less than sterling character. The CEO commented to me later, if this guy thinks we're bad, we're bad. The problem had to be fixed. We discussed the problem with the employees and settling on yes-no chart as a means to attack the problem. The chart asked a simple question. Were all orders shipped on time? The results reported by the person most likely to have the information, the guy on the shipping dock. He knew what had been shipped. The president promised a pizza party for everyone if they shipped all the orders, usually between 200 and 350 on a particular day, and shipped them on time. A simple chart was prepared, and no's were recorded for 14 days in a row. However, on the 15th day, a yes appeared, indicating shipping success. There is a yes-no chart shown with the question, did all orders ship on time? And it shows two weeks across, three following weeks down, and for the first 14 days, they have red X's. And then on the 15th day, they have a green zero. The president should have been happy about this. He had to buy pizza when they succeeded. He didn't particularly mind that, but he suspected something was wrong. He investigated and found out that the guy in the shipping dock had shipped 310 orders on time. One of the last few items was going to be five days late, so he made it six days late by shipping it on Monday. The president laughed because the employees had won. They cheated, but they won. So he raised the bar. Pizza only happened now with three days in a row to get around the earlier problem. On the next Friday, they won again. He raised the bar to five days in a row, and employees got it after the sixth week. From that point forward, they didn't have a misshipment problem for eight months. This example drives home the main message of our measurement philosophy. Measure the problem, measure it simply, and post it for all to see. In the example just cited, no one, including the president, expected a yes to appear for several months. After all, the problem had been around for years. The fact that the yeses began on the 15th day was more than encouraging, and it got everybody in the company excited. Everyone knew the goal of the company was to ship 100% of the orders on time. There was no blame for failure, but then again, there would be no excuses. Performance measurement with world record reports. A major issue 
with performance measures is that we often miss the opportunity to motivate through friendly competition. It is impossible to have dissimilar jobs using the same scorecard. Or is it? Can a baseball team compete with a soccer team? Can the shipping department compete with a production work center? Well, in our experience, yes, they can. In one client, we took 19 factory departments and changed the reporting of their performance to percentage change in the output measured. This served as the basis of a friendly intramural competition with a focused objective. Additionally, percent improvement has an additional advantage in that eventually it draws in the whole organization. Not only do the laggards become very visible, it becomes harder and harder for overachievers to blow away the other teams with the big improvements because it is indeed a self-handicapping scoring system. It gives all teams a chance to stay in the game. In this competition, an additional opportunity to keep score and to recognize process improvements occurs every time performance of any metric surpasses the last best result that we call the world record. For example, we have applied world record reports to manufacturing businesses, computer production businesses, processing output, and any number of businesses, picking orders in a warehouse, and of course, dirty wash in the laundry. We have found that world records can be applied in at least the four areas noted below. One, setup time. This is the time required to tear down and clean up a job and put away the tools of that job to set up the job that will be run next. Two, run time. The time it takes to do a job from start to finish. Three, quality. This is usually measured in terms of rejects or reworks on a job. Quality is also a matter of the work's conformity to customers' expectations. And four, quantity. This is a measure of the actual output of a particular work center in one shift. Each shift should be separately accountable for production output. All four of these measures are important in optimizing work output. Interestingly enough, we have observed over the last 25 years, far more attention has been paid in U.S. business to quality than to setup and runtime. Perhaps this phenomenon is in part based on the focus of executives and manufacturing managers who went to Japan to study the reasons for the high quality of Japanese auto production. In an auto plant, the setup and runtime for each job is fixed by the speed of the assembly line. There is no variability of setup or runtime on each auto. The parts just flow. Because runtime and setup time are fixed, the only variable is quality. Naturally, 
qualities where the Japanese focused all their attention in the production of automobiles. It makes sense for the auto industry. For most companies, however, manufacturing and service companies alike, have variable product lines and need to pay attention to setup and runtime as well. Ideally, of course, in creating the optimal process, all setups are zero and all runtimes are minimal. As we look at work, the ideal is the target, a search for perfection. It takes work, but it is a worthy goal, one that all companies should pursue. We accept as a cardinal rule of measurement that it must meet several criteria. One, it must be simple and easy to determine. Two, it must be immediate. Three, it must be available to the person or persons doing the work. And finally, it must be real. If these criteria are met, then workers at all levels can measure their results, make timely corrections, and check to see if the corrections make a difference. We believe that everyone wants to be competent at his or her work. Once you have established measures that meet the above criteria, workers have the means to achieve a sense of their competence and improve in accordance with that measure of competence. The World Record Report evolved out of this work. In essence, the World Record Report is a running measure of performance that allows the worker to measure how they are doing in comparison to a standard. It works like this. One starts by re improvement in performance will yield a smaller number. Again, the numbers are reported to reflect that goal. You don't set a world record when you just meet 100%. It is only when you exceed 100% that you've broken the world record. In the chart below, an actual report from a manufacturing client, daily output went from a world record of 134 the first day to a world record of 296 units of output on the 27th day. One could argue that the net output only went up from 134 to 154, the output of the 28th date over the course of the month. That's true. But the standard was raised to 296, and everybody was now into this game. As an aside, the performance on the 28th day was down because we celebrated the results. The game played being here is fun. The workers know that they are being pushed, and they don't mind it if the no-blame philosophy is in place. In the following figure, you'll notice that there is a line across the graph at the 100% point. The line is there to keep everyone focused on the goal of hitting it, and after a world record is achieved, to see if the output can be sustained. You also notice they continue to improve their workout because any ideas that they had for tribal knowledge improvement, how the objects were sewed and presented to the workers, we acted on aggressively to ensure optimum output. So the world record report meets our criteria for measurement. It's simple, it's immediate, it's available to the people doing the work, and it's real. 
It becomes a key tool that workers can use to meet their own needs for improving. By setting the world record as a standard, everyone is kept focused on what the best work output looks like. Incidentally, the world record reports can be for an individual, a team, a department, or a whole organization. It depends on what the relevant work unit is. As we have discovered, the world record report is a particularly powerful form of measurement in continuous improvement environments because it shows clearly how often performance has improved. Managers should be able to visit a work area, look at the world record report, and know immediately how the work is progressing in the work area. If the workers are improving the process, it will be immediately evident. Congratulations are in order. When a manager looks at the chart and sees no improvement in a week or a month, it's possible the individual or team needs help. The manager can ask what's going on. That's okay. This is much more a question of leadership than of managing. The worker and manager can use the data on the world record report to determine whether changes are needed. When we use the world record report to measure output, we are measuring value. That's our goal. We want to eliminate waste and increase value. The world record report gives us a performance measurement that tells us how we are doing in this regard. If the process is improving and we are increasing our value-added results, then we are on the right track. At some point, however, performance improvement will slow, will break the world record less frequently. When this happens, we can explore whether further improvement is possible if an investment in technology is needed or whether we've arrived at Kansas City and we've gone about as far as we can go. Performance measurement and a sense of urgency. The sense of urgency is a drill or needs to be occasionally. Every CEO would like to know that if the need arose, that any call to action could get near immediate results. New product introductions ready for trade shows or fixed problems ready for shareholders meetings are the best drivers. Every CEO should seek these opportunities, create a call to action, and have a metric stating progress. These fire drills hone skills and grease the change process. This is the end of Chapter 10, Part 2.
This is the best use of measurement to help improve the performance of the organization.